Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Palme. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Podcast, Season 3, Episode 33. And I'm just looking forward to my uh, podcast today. Uh, today's guest is Elizabeth Didal. She's a news producer for CBS 6 WRGB in Albany, New York. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to her. So, uh, guys, we're probably just going to have to wait a few minutes for Elizabeth to come on. But anyways, I'm glad to be back. This is my first podcast in a week. And I'm hopefully, like, looking forward to speaking to Elizabeth about her career in media and as a news producer and working in the Albany, New York area. So, anyways, guys, it is Tuesday, May 3rd. Uh, like I said, I'm glad to be back. I had a great weekend in Buffalo. I went to the States. Uh, for the first time in two plus years, two and a half years on uh, this weekend. I had no problems getting across the border, but on the way back, uh, I forgot to do the Arrive Canada app, which I had on my phone and downloaded. So uh, just for anybody that's going there, make sure you have it filled out before you go back to the uh, uh, border to get across. But otherwise, it was a great weekend. The weather was great, and I had a great time. Uh, in the Buffalo Niagara Falls area. Of course, I had my chicken wings and my beer down there. And then uh, I had a great opportunity to uh, do a game day uh, media experience with the Buffalo Bandits of the National Lacrosse League, uh, courtesy of the Bandits radio play-by-play announcer, John Googler, who set this up, and uh, Aliyah uh, Clements, yeah, Aliyah Clements, and Catherine and Callie, uh, who all assisted me that night. So it was great. Uh, I've been to two national lacrosse game leagues now, games now, uh, one in Hamilton for the Rock and one in Buffalo. And it was great. Uh, I loved it. Thank you so much to Aaliyah, uh, John, Catherine, and Callie, and also to Griffin, uh, who's a writer for the Bandits and the Sabres. I got to do a little interview with him after the game. And uh, I got to meet uh, Buffalo News uh, legend uh, Bud Bailey as well, uh, who's uh, now retired. He's a freelance writer. But I got to talk to Bud for a bit about uh, Buffalo sports and the Bandits. And uh, the best part of it is I was uh, able to go into the post-game uh, conference with uh, John Tavares uh, the Bandits coach and some of their players and uh, ask them some questions as well. So again, thanks to to John, Aaliyah and Catherine and Callie for arranging this. And uh, I definitely will go back to a Buffalo Bandits game in the future at the Key Bank Center. Um, they had over 10,000 fans there and they were quite loud and noisy and it was just great doing it. And um, the only things I would do differently is my parking. I would park for about $10 cheaper. And also there is an, uh, nation, a native uh, gas station right by the arena. So I, I should have filled up then before heading there. And uh, I'll have to check out the Seneca Casino. That's uh, downtown Buffalo right by the arena as well. But overall, it was a great experience. I met a lot of great people. And um, I posted a lot of uh, pictures and videos on my social media pages and stuff as well. And uh, I'm working to get some guys from the Bandits, uh, hopefully to come on my podcast 
after their season is over. So uh, speaking of the uh, National Lacrosse League, uh, we might as get this on there while we're waiting for my guest. Uh, the National Lacrosse League playoffs begin this weekend. It's win or go home. One game, win or go home, Friday, May 6th, Halifax at Toronto at the First Ontario Centre, Saturday, May 7th, Albany at the Bandits in the Key Bank Centre at 7 o'clock, Colorado, Calgary, Friday, May 6th, and then you got the Philadelphia team, uh, Wings Wildcard at San Diego on Saturday, May 7th at 10 p.m. I believe the Buffalo Albany game at the Key Bank Center starts at 7.30. But if you want to get tickets, check out buffalobandits.com. And uh, Albany was 9-9 nine nine this year. Buffalo was 14-4. But it's a one game. This first round is a win or go home. So it's one game. If you have a bad game, no matter what your record is, you're gone. So um, it's going to be tough. And uh, the game I went to, I'm going to show you guys some of the highlights. While we're waiting for my guests, uh, Elizabeth, to come on. I'm going to show you some highlights of the game that I attended uh, attended at the Key Bank Center this Saturday. This video clip is courtesy of the National Lacrosse League, and the calls are from uh, John Googler, uh, the Buffalo Bandits uh, longtime voice, play-by-play -play voice uh, guy, and he does a great job. One sec, guys. I'm just going to show you some uh, video footage of the game I attended to in Buffalo on Saturday night. Trying to set up the play as... Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Rock, putting his good forces out there. Dan Dawson with a shot. He scores! Dangerous Dan Dawson and Toronto. Loose ball picked up by Buffalo. De Hilkanetico balled in front. Rebound over the shoulder. Shot score! Buffalo! All behind goes in the part of the offensive rushes. Burns takes a shot. He scores! Forced into the near Toronto corner. Comes back out with the ball and the webbing of a stick. Here's Nanako taking a shot. He scores! Toronto 8. Fraser with the ball. Down into the Toronto zone from the slot area. Back over to Josh Bird. He scores! Yoga Nanako setting up a seal for him as Buchanan now takes the low drive. Scores! Yoga Nanako for goaltender interference. Two man advantage again for Toronto. Going to work. Narrow the margin. Score! Toronto! Eight-second violation, though. Toronto with speed the other way. Here's Dan Dawson with a nifty move. Scores! Bubba shagging the ball, and it's Buchanan on his own. Scores! One of the rare penalties, and a score by Toronto. Right off the bat of the power play. And working with the man advantage. Here's a penalty coming up against Toronto. While Bubba tunes up the play, scores! Nanako. Smith play busted up by the defense and now here's a break for Toronto coming sweeping in over the line McKenna tip tap toe score I stand Craig looking for an opening from the slot area likes to go to Chapman Rogers from the far side shot score Toronto play by the rock here in the second half they've got the ball again close range shot score first lead of the game since one nothing Mans with a twirl, regains composure, top of the slot, shot, score! And they storm back out in a breakaway for the Rock, they score! to Dane Smith, beat pass out in front, intended for Fraser, but that's picked up by Toronto. And a shoveling move out in front will afford Toronto an opportunity, and Mitch Disnew scores! 
Anyways, guys, that clip was courtesy of the National Lacrosse League, and uh, the call was done by John Googler, the longtime voice of the Buffalo Bandits. That game, uh, Buffalo was up 5-1 to one at halftime, and then in the second half, in the third and the fourth periods, uh, Toronto outscored Buffalo 9-2. to two. The game didn't mean anything in terms of the standings. Obviously, Buffalo was finishing first. Toronto was finishing second in the East. But the Toronto Rock have played Buffalo three times this year and won two out of three meetings. They beat, they handed them their first defeat in January at the first Ontario Centre in Hamilton. And now they defeated them again at the Key Bank Centre in Buffalo. So um, to me, the, the two best teams right now in the National Cross League are Buffalo and Toronto. Um, as my friend Pat Gregor from TSM would say, the Rock are a well-balanced offensively. Um, they're probably the top defensive team in the National Cross League from what Pat's seen. And they're well-coached as well so yeah so it's going to be interesting uh this weekend it's called the national lacrosse league chant chase for the championship which is going to be the 2020-22 they haven't had a, a, a lacrosse champion since 2019 so i'm looking really looking forward to these games this weekend guys i hope you guys can tune in to espn uh espn plus and uh, Friday night on TSN, uh, TSN is doing the game of the week uh, with Halifax at Toronto at 730 from the First Ontario Centre. Uh, John Abbott, Ashley Docking, and Pat Gregor will be doing that game. And then if you want to watch the game Saturday between the Bandits and Albany, uh, it's either on ESPN or ESPN Plus, or you can um, watch it online streaming through tsn.ca. Uh, my friend Pat was telling me that as well. So really looking forward to it. Uh, it should be uh, be an interesting weekend so and how here's how it goes the quarterfinal winners of this weekend will meet in a best of three conference finals uh first games are set for may 12th to the 16th with games two to may 19th to the 23rd and games three if necessary will be may 26th to the 30th to set out set set to close out the month date subject to change and the best of three in the finals will take place uh june 2nd so even if you get past this weekend uh you, the next series and the and the and the nl championship are best of three so you really in this setup for the national lacrosse league you cannot afford to have a bad game or a bad two games so uh this is where you got to be playing your best uh lacrosse your game of the year right now and right now it looks like toronto uh, to me is uh, got a great chance to see what happens in the playoffs, but we'll see what happens. Upsets can happen too. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the games guys. And uh, I'm still learning about the national lacrosse league. And uh, I think more people should take a look interest in it. It's a little bit of hockey, a little bit of basketball. Uh, each team has a 30 second shot clock to get a shot off. Penalties are a little bit different. I know with goaltender interference, uh, it's a five-minute major. So that means a team gets a five-minute power play for that. But as for that game in Buffalo, like I said, the, the Rock won 10-7. to And they really uh, came on in the second half against Buffalo. But I think Buffalo still has a really, really good team. They're well coached by John Tavares. And uh, one of the keys in the game was the Rock shut down uh, uh, Dane Smith. He was held scoreless in a game uh, for the first time since 2017. Uh, he uh, he was their offensive player of the year, uh, Dane Smith, with uh, Bandits. Uh, with um, I think he had what over 41 goals, uh, 94 assists, and. Uh, 136 points. So, uh, guys, just bear with me. Um, I guess it's having some technical difficulties, uh, Elizabeth. So I'm just going to send her a text, and we're going to try to get her on. Um, yeah, just bear with me, guys. 
I'm just uh, texting her now. So sometimes things happen. So yeah, hopefully we'll have Elizabeth come on in a few minutes. Uh, but what I'll do is uh, see what I can do and try to get her on. So guys, bear with me. I apologize. And also, guys, you can check out the NLL.com slash schedule 2022 playoff schedule on the National Cross League website. So just bear with me, guys. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get Elizabeth on as soon as I can. And I apologize. But, hey, I wanted to talk lacrosse anyways. Uh, I'm uh, Like I said, I'm still learning the game thanks to John, John Googler and Pat Gray Gore. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to this weekend's playoff game so guys just bear with me and i'm gonna try to get elizabeth to come on it's just like i said a, a technical difficulties so we're gonna just see if we can get her on anyways i hope everyone's doing well and uh like i said we'll just try to get her on in a minute and stuff like that so uh we'll just bear with me and uh i'm just gonna keep going on rambling on and that still but uh what i was gonna say um Speaking of lacrosse news, while we'll wait for my guest, new Las Vegas lacrosse team is named the Desert Dogs. Uh, season tickets are available at Las Vegas de de DesertDogs.com, and the phone number there is 702-818-DOGS. Sean Williams was named the general manager and head coach, and they will be the 15th team in the National Lacrosse League uh, next season in 2023. They will be in the Western Division, so that'll give the East eight teams the West seven. And uh, hopefully the NLL will have that 16th team in 2024 to balance out the league at eight teams each as well. And uh, personally, I think Seattle uh, would be a great uh, place to have a lacrosse league team uh, because it's close to Vancouver. They could have a rivalry with Vancouver like they do in hockey with the Kraken and Canucks. And to me, Seattle would be a perfect uh, place to have a national lacrosse league uh, team. And it would make the team, the league more balanced uh, with 16 teams. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. And I hope you guys can check out the games on TSN, the game of the week, Friday night at 730. And also on TSN.ca on Saturday night when they online stream uh, the Bandits game against the Albany Firewolves, who are 9-9. Nine and nine. So it's a win or go home weekend this weekend. And I'm really looking forward to it. And we'll see what happens there. But uh, anyways, guys, just to let you know, uh, as we're waiting for my guest, we got some NHL hockey tonight. We got Pittsburgh and the Rangers, uh, Washington and Florida, Dallas at Calgary, and Nashville and Colorado. Obviously, last night, the Leafs took a 1-0 series lead against Tampa Bay, uh, beating Tampa Bay 5-0. But as we've seen in the past with the Leafs, it's not how you start the series that matters it's how you finish it and the Leafs have blown 3-1 lead series they've blown 2 nothing lead series uh the, the Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004 so we're going on what 18 years since they've last won a playoff series I believe that was April 2004 against Ottawa so uh they're off to a good start against Tampa Bay but don't count out the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champs you don't win back-to-back -back cups by being a bad team and in the first game is a good start for Toronto, but it doesn't mean the series is over by any means. All Tampa Bay has to do is win one game in Toronto, which is in game two in Toronto, and they'll have home ice going back to Tampa Bay. I really do see the series going seven games, and I'm still going to go with the Lightning uh, over Tampa Bay, and or sorry, the Lightning over the Leafs in seven games. So we'll see what happens there. But um, really, I haven't been following the uh, NHL, I guess because the Red Wings are out of the playoffs. 
And they did fire Jeff Blashill. I'm glad Iserman actually did this right after the regular season was over. There was no more procrastination. And uh, Blashill, nothing personal against Jeff Blashill. Uh, seemed like a nice guy. Everyone liked him. But seven years there, six consecutive losing seasons, six straight no playoffs. And uh, the, the young team was not developing at the end of the season. Guys, just bear with me. My guest is on right now. Her name is uh, Elizabeth, or Liz, I guess. And just one second, I'm going to uh, put on my guest, Elizabeth Adidal, a news producer for CBS 6, WRGB in Albany, New York. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Good. Um, I apologize. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I did send you the email link on your Gmail, but sometimes I guess like you said email will get there. You're good. There's always technical issues, especially in news. So I understand it anywhere else. Definitely with uh, even with podcasts too. So what I've learned, Elizabeth, sometimes things happen with guests or uh, mix up. I've just learned to keep ab libbing and keep talking until my guest comes on. Yeah, we've. I definitely had to learn that in news too, especially a reporter not getting there live in time or <laughs> there being issues. Um, otherwise that um we've had to like repeat stories or have to like have our meteorologists go longer and stuff like that yes so that i'm learning a definitely i heard a dog in the background what's your dog's name and yeah my cat's going crazy right now <laughs> i think there's a cat outside yeah. what's your... not happy about <laughs> what's your dog's and cat's name um astrid and luna okay what kind of dog is it um a black lab black lab okay so they yeah. do they get they get along for the most part they get along there's a cat outside that they do not like <laughs> oh okay anyways i love pets and stuff like that so how was your day and, and how things going at uh, cbs 6 it's wrgb it's in the albany new york area yeah so we cover the whole capital region um right now i do overnights for them so I like come in when everyone else is going to bed, but my show doesn't go on air until everyone's waking up for the morning. So I do the morning show and then sometimes the noon as well. So I just kind of do that. Our morning show, we have two anchors. So it's a big team for that. Two anchors, a meteorologist. We have like two or three reporters depending on the day. Um, and then I do weekends for them as well. So my off, like my weekends are different than everyone else's, I guess. My weekends are Monday, Tuesdays. Um, so I work on the weekends and the weekends are much more laid back, but they're honestly my favorite show. Um, we only have one anchor um, and one like reporter, one meteorologist, obviously. So it's much more laid back, but I can do more with the show. I'm the only producer on it. There's no like executive producer on it so I have a lot more freedom and I feel like it's able to be more happy I guess because sometimes news can definitely be serious and get you down <laughs> um just with the crime happening around you and stuff like that that I've learned on the weekend shows we can do more like fun stories um we call them like evergreen stories but they're like fun where you they're not dated they're about like things happening around you that you can be excited about instead of just the hard news um and i really like doing that 
Yeah, you know what? That's what we need, even in in Canada and Ontario too. Uh, obviously, the the bad news is what gets ratings, but it's nice to see fun stories or positive stories as well, and they should be included in most news productions as if as much as possible as well. Yeah, and that's why I love the morning show because we can do that, and our anchors are allowed to show more like personality where we can we call them like chat boxes. So pretty much what we're doing right now, where they can sit and just talk for thirty seconds and make conversation about one of the like fun stories that they relate to or something like that. That that I think makes us able to connect more with our audience instead of just being like here is like your hard news and just being very straightforward and no actual kind of conversation and personality shown. So I definitely like the weekends because we can do that more because there's less happening. <laughs> it's still with mornings too, because most of your news happens during the day, I guess. So your big news is like your news, like your noon and then your five and six, where I feel like the mornings it's more laid back because not a lot happens overnight like you get some breaking news there's definitely crime and things that happen but there's no like all the political meetings and things like that all happen during the day so there, there's definitely more news during the day where your morning shows you're able to be more laid back and I like that because most people are like don't you hate doing overnights like don't you hate like doing the morning show and I honestly don't mind it. I like the sh shift. I, cause I get more freedom with the morning show. You get more flexibility and then it's still a big team. And then I feel like I get out at 9am and I have my whole day ahead of me and I don't have to like worry about when I'm going to have my doctor's appointments because I'm going to be at work when doctors are there. Like I, I definitely like the schedule more. I definitely don't have a routine sleep schedule now because of it, but <laughs> I definitely like um, doing the mornings and being able to have that freedom more for sure. Yeah, I can relate because I work uh, my current job. I work midnights and um, it gives me more flexibility to do my camera work with Rogers TV outside of Toronto. It gives me more flexibility to do my podcast. Sometimes when I do my podcast shows, I'm sleep deprived, but it just <laughs> gives me a little more uh, freedom and stuff like that. Not that I want to do nights for the rest of my life. One thing I wanted to ask you working the night shift. Do you drink a lot of coffee? <laughs> I have energy drinks so lot actually i'll have coffee time to time but i have energy drinks a lot um i like have tried a bunch of different ones i feel like i don't don't have a signature when i go to i feel like i'm always picking and trying new ones i've like if you go to my kitchen i have this big box of just different energy drinks that i'll always grab one and put it in my bag before i leave for work <laughs> Because I usually find by seven o'clock in the morning, uh, when the sunlight comes out, um, that's when I'm start dragging it and energy. But I can't drink coffee and all that because it, it's um, it speeds up my ticker and I stay away from caffeine. But uh, it's okay. just, but uh, no, it's just you need something to keep yourself going. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like it's the when we get to like the six o'clock because sometimes I'll do like the four thirty half hour and then the seven to eight and then we have like cut-ins mm -hmm. which are like three minute segments that we pre-record yep. so another producer does like the five to six and the six to seven so sometimes I'll prompt for them and I'll find myself the first hour I'm prompting like being fine and then by the time we hit like six o'clock I'm like I'm getting tired <laughs> like I need to just 
do something other than sit here and turn a knob because I'm going to fall asleep and our anchor's yep. going to read something totally wrong. <laughs> Definitely. You don't have a long drive home from the station because I know when you work overnight shifts, sometimes that drive home can be tough with your body wanting to sleep. Yeah, I was. So I was close because CBS is actually in Schenectady where, where I find that all the other news stations in this area are actually right in Albany, obviously, because it's New York's capital. Um, it makes sense if you're covering the all capital region that you'd cover the biggest or be in the biggest part, I guess. But I went. So when I graduated from college, I'm moved back with my parents for a couple months. So when I started this job, I was super close because they live in Schenectady. It was like a 10 minute drive. Now I live by Albany. I'm like 10 minutes outside of Albany in this place called Cohoes, um, which is like in the middle of the night, it's not bad because there's absolutely no traffic. Um, so it's like a 15, 20 minute drive at night, but then driving back at like nine in the morning when there's like a bunch of traffic that becomes a 30 minute drive because um, I go right down Route 7, which just has stoplights every like 20, 50 feet, I feel like just all the way down. And that's literally what I'm on the entire way. <laughs> so I feel like on the way home, it definitely is a drag. And on the way home, I'll tend to um, like stop, get something to drink. And then I try and um, get like my pre-workout because I like working out a lot. So I try and stay awake at that time, even though I'm super tired. I'm like just two more hours of staying awake where I can stop at my gym, work out, and then I go home and I pass out. And this is where I say where I don't get like my full normal sleep schedule because I'll tend to nap. Like I'll get home, have lunch, and then I'll take like a three hour nap. And then I have a second job where I'm babysitting on the side which I hope to like stop doing at a point. I'm studying to be um, a certified personal trainer and nutritionist as well. Um, so I want to be like an online coach, like have my media with that. And I love for fitness, but right now I'm babysitting. So my second job, I'll nap for three hours, then it hits like 2 p.m. and I have to go babysit until six and I'll come home and make dinner and go to bed <laughs> until I have to go then come in at like midnight or 2 a.m. depending on the day. Yeah, I think that's going to be the next thing. My, right now I'm working on a career in radio, but the one thing I want to work on is um, I've put on probably about 20, 25 pounds working, working on midnight shift and I probably need to see uh, uh, somebody that can help me online just to eat, eat better healthier eating yeah. choices and i'm trying to get more exercise but uh exercise is okay but you still need to watch uh what you eat so i yeah so that's the biggest part is nutrition i feel like that's what they constantly say in the world is that the hardest and the biggest part is what you do in the kitchen and honestly it is the hardest i'm supposed to be gluten-free so it makes it easier for me because my stomach already hates certain things so i can't eat like a bunch of carbs and things like that because a lot of carbs have gluten in it um and then my stomach's like super sensitive to red meat so i can't mm. eat some things like that so i feel like my stomach helps me in a way although i miss some of those things but i'm still i will eat gluten and it's weird because most people with celiac disease i feel like it's all their organs or things like that and it's my joints i eat gluten and i don't know if you ever got growing pains growing up 
but it's like really bad growing pains whenever I eat gluten and it's so weird, but sometimes I sacrifice it and I eat it anyways. Yeah. And I noticed there's more uh, in grocery stores in Ontario and even over in the States, I was in New York state, there's more gluten-free products than ever before. Yeah. And that's what, cause I've been gluten-free since I was like 12. So not that I, it was grocery shopping for myself, but what my mom was buying me and even when I would go out with her, I definitely noticed that it was harder and everything was super expensive, um, that it was just limiting my diet a lot. When I first went gluten-free when I was 12, I lost like 20, almost 30 pounds because I was limiting my diet so much. One, because I didn't know much about being gluten-free, so I didn't know all the options. And two, because grocery stores didn't have as many options as they do now, where now I go to a grocery store and I feel like they have an entire aisle where it's gluten-free. And it's not, it's of course still more expensive, but not as, that it's still affordable that you can do those options um, and not just limit your diet like crazy and be eating just fruit and veggies and <laughs> things like that. Definitely. Okay. Are you still good for a few more minutes for a few questions? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, all right. No problem. And I'll get back to you on the nutrition thing in the future. Cause like I said, my goal is to drop about 20, 25 pounds. I just want to be healthier and have a little more energy as well. Yeah, no, that's definitely the people say like you get tired working out, but you definitely get more energy from it. Definitely. Too. It definitely helps. Okay, can you tell my Canadian audience here near Toronto, I'm just on the suburbs of Toronto, a little bit about yourself and when did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in media broadcasting? So I always loved things about media. Um, I was always super into film when I was younger. We'd have movie nights when I was a kid with my family. And then I feel like music, I was always drawn to. Music was like helped me through a bunch of stuff and just the way that like, with music videos that music you could tell a story with and things like that. But I never like knew that it was a career option. So in college and high school and everything like that, I just really liked English. Um, but I didn't know that there was like, I just thought that that wasn't growing. I thought it wasn't a growing market, so it wouldn't be the best. So I just thought instead of what I loved, just what I thought would be a smart move. And I went into business. And the first year I did that, I hated it. And I immediately dropped it. And luckily, my college had this major called mass communications. Where I was like, that has everything I like. Because um, it included things about media, included things about just communications and like promoting things and talking to people and I had done everything like all my previous jobs had been like that so I, I went straight into that major and I did that for a year and then my college split the major into media studies or communications and I noticed that during that year of mass communications I drew to all the media classes more which I already knew I had a love for media but I didn't really no to that degree so then I after taking that for a year I was like okay yeah I definitely drew more and was more like paying attention more like actually loved it um when it came to all my media classes more than communication so I was like I'm definitely taking media and when we took media we had to choose like what we want our concentration to be so it could have been video production it could have been like audio production it could have um been like computer art so i chose to do 
audio production and then I did all my like electives in computer art and from there I just fell in love with everything um that expanded everything I remember my first year as a media student I took my first audio class and I was like holy crap I love this um and I just did everything from there we had a radio station at my college that I um worked with them sometimes we had a film club that I feel like I was always working on that and then even on my own I was sitting there doing like playing with Adobe making different like podcasts like you not that I posted any of them I didn't have balls like that when I was younger but I was recording all of them and I was um showing my friends and my teachers and I was like like writing things on my own time and recording it and making different computer art stuff just because I enjoyed it and my friends thought it was cool so they asked me to make things for that so it definitely grew and then when I graduated I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in but I knew when it came to all our production classes we did mock news sets so we did like anything when we learn lighting we did mock news sets when we learn like video production we set up a mock news wrote when we did script writing it was usually like writing commercials or public service announcements or a news script um and then same with audio production we'd have to write something to record and it was usually something like that so i just started looking for jobs and i immediately was like drawn directly to news where of course there I could have ran like a social media page for someone else or like a college even um but I definitely am glad that I went in this route and I was drawn to it right after graduating for sure so it I always had it over time that was probably a really long answer to your question I always had the love over time and it definitely grew and grew and found more of a direction as the years have gone on yeah, I was always interested in broadcasting in the 90s. I'm a little bit older than you, but they didn't have all this technology. If they had they had podcasting and all this technology back in the 90s, uh, I would have taken broadcasting. But uh, a lot of people in your profession have been great with me, even though I'm in my late 40s I'm going to be 50 in June. Uh, everybody's been really supportive of what I'm doing, and they say it's never too late to switch careers and this is something I have a, a passion for and this podcast platform has led to some other things for me as well yeah definitely getting your face out there and whatever you love in a passion media is so well for that so having a podcast for your own makes it so tangible for anyone um in this career so it's i'm glad to hear that it's helped you um i couldn't imagine wanting like going in this career path in the 90s would be tremendously harder and i wouldn't know how to calculate that or honestly have the confidence to do it so but uh no i really enjoyed doing this and then i uh i do camera work i see the live tv section i was uh rogers tv as a camera operator so i see what uh, live tv productions like and the podcast is sort of like radio form and then i do some media work for uh, the national basketball league of canada and i get to I get to speak to coaches and players after the games on zoom. So I'm getting a little bit, a bit of experience everywhere in here. I definitely, I'm also working on an independent film right now. Um, it's like a superhero movie about a dad and a daughter. So I definitely get both aspects of the live TV and news and then a film, not that it's like a Marvel 
budget, but we definitely have a big budget for an independent film. And I definitely would love to get into the film industry. And I have a friend that's already there that maybe one day he could help me snaggle my way in there. Cool. And the more things you can do, the better too. That's what I'm trying to learn and do as many things as I can and see what I'm good at and what I need to improve on. Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely, my friend actually approached me a few weeks ago and was talking about maybe doing a podcast. So it's definitely any forms of media to get experience in is great. I feel like that's one thing I always just wanted when like, especially interviews, people ask me like, what was your main goal when you wanted to get out of college? What did you want to do? And I didn't have like a dream job. I was like, I just want to get experience in all different types of media so I can find out what I love and so I can grow even more. Definitely. Okay. Well, this leads to my next question. Um, where did you attend uh, college or university? I guess we call it university here in Canada. And did you have any mentors when you were first starting up in the industry? Um, yeah, so I went to school at SUNY Oneana. It's in New York State. It's kind of smaller. It has about like 7,000, I'd say. Um, so it's a state college, SUNY, obviously. Um, and like I told you, my majors all changed. It ended in a media degree, but I did have this one teacher who I honestly she helped me so much and still does she still emails me and texts me now and checks up on me and gives me advice on what i should do career wise and even outside of my career like talking about moving to different places and things like that um her name was laura felshow i took like six classes with her um and she is like she has love and knowledge for film like like cares for her students and has a love for this stuff that like I've never seen in teachers. I feel like teachers get in the route of doing this for so many years and like, okay, this is now your teacher. You're not really in the film industry and they get discouraged with it and don't try or care as much as she did. And she went beyond and would had such a love for it and made everything like, so easy to learn, so interesting. And she spent so much of her outside time talking to me and helping me. I took classes with her in the summer, like just to make sure I could take them with her. Like, and she, even when I didn't take classes with her in summer, like winter break, me and her would sit there and like set up a Zoom and talk at least once. Um, so she was definitely, I feel like throughout my college career, I looked for her um, and I definitely, she helped me a lot. And even to this day, um, I look to her for a lot when it comes to this industry um, and even in life in general. Okay. I usually ask that question with most of my guests uh, anyways, because mentors can be really important in getting into a career as well or starting up. Yeah, I feel like it definitely does. Um, whether like connections, they help you connection wise, or even they help you grow yourself with your passions. It definitely helps having someone in the industry to guide you. Definitely. Okay. And this leads to my next question. Uh, you mentioned something about a radio station. What was your first job in media broadcasting? Was that that radio station you were mentioning before? Yeah. So I did. So I guess this is technically my first job job. 
um, was with CBS. I'm actually going to Spectrum. I'm switching stations in a few weeks, so I'll be at Spectrum, still covering um, the capital region. So that'll be my second official jobs. But when I was in college, we had a new station called The Wire at SUNY Oneana that I would help at, and we do little interviews. We do like just music, obviously. Um, and then I also, I have a love for animals with my pets that you heard, obviously. Um, and I would volunteer at the animal shelter um, in Cooperstown, which was like 20, 30 minutes away from Oneana. So I'd help pick up like the cat's cages, I'd socialize with the cats and I'd also foster. But then on top of that, I ran like an Instagram for them. So I guess those were my first two um, jobs. Obviously, I didn't get paid for either of them. And they're more like clubs or volunteer work. But those were my first um, like responsibilities I had in the media world. And then I graduated and I came to CBS. And then in Three weeks from now, I will be starting at Spectrum. Cool. And I uh, volunteered for the local Humane Society here for uh, 10 years as a dog walker. Mm -hmm. I was doing dog walking five days a week, fundraising for them. And the thing is with the dogs, I was happy when they got adopted, but I would also get yeah, attached to them that. down there. Yes. Yeah, that was the one thing with fostering that's so hard for me. I remember... I fostered this one cat for eight months and I did not, I cried. I was in so much tears. I like gave the owner literally my personal information and was like, you need to send me like video updates of her and pictures and stuff. Like I was a mess that I was like, if I'm fostering or doing something like that, like it can't be long-term, like it can't be longer than a month or like two months. Cause I will get way too attached, attached and just used to them. Yes. And, fo and fostering is huge as well. It's not just adopting, but fostering for wait for the pets that are waiting to get adopted is huge. And, and uh, like I said, I, I, in an ideal world, there would be no need for uh, animal shelters because I don't think any animal should ever be homeless. Yeah, no, it's definitely huge. I feel like people don't realize how like needed foster care is but it's huge it's insane how because a lot of them when they aren't healthy need that foster care a lot of them like they don't get adopted because they don't do well in the shelter environment they get scared they get because they've been in a home so they don't they react different in that shelter environment barking growling nipping than they would in a home where if you just let them in that home they are flourishing and other people can see that as well um you can post videos and pictures like that and have serious like people go and look at them or bring them to like the outside area of the shelter where they're comfortable that like has such a difference on a dog and cat um how well they do i know the one cat that i fostered um his name was Trouble, and they named him Trouble because he was so much trouble in the shelter. He was sitting there being mean to all the other cats. He, like, was, like, petrified, didn't want anyone touching him. He couldn't keep down any food. Um, he was either throwing it up or having diarrhea really bad. So he had issues, some digestive issues. So I went and fostered him. He got along with all my cats. He was, like, a huge cuddle bug. He did like at times 
have still digestive issues, but it wasn't that he was shoving food down his throat because in a home when he's not in a room with 10 other cats, because that's how they kept them in Cooperstown. It wasn't like they're in separate cages. It was just one giant cat room that you could monitor his food and only put so much out that he wasn't sitting there and shoving it down that it was making him sick. Um, and you could get a special food for him that it wasn't just going right through him and he could digest it properly, that it was a totally different cat than it was in a shelter. Um, and I don't think people realize that. And there's a huge need for it because there's sure you might not want a cat long term, but if there's a time where you can take one part or a dog, you even take one for a short period of time that helps shelters so much because they're able to help more animals that way, like an insane amount of animals that way. There's this one shelter in New York City that I follow um, and I'm really like I talk to and I donate to them all the time follow them on Instagram and I'm so like in tune to their story and they help all the dogs that are like most in need and they get dogs from like Texas and the South because they're like really bad down there with strays and animal abuse and stuff so they fly them out to New York and try and get them homes and they rely they don't have a like shelter all their money goes to the pet's medical bills and to flying them out and stuff because they take the ones most in need, most injured. So without people fostering, all these animals would die. So, like, it's insane. Like, there's a bunch of shelters where they don't have money to pay for, like, an in like a physical shelter. All their money is going to every cent going to help the animals. Definitely. And, and um, like you said, I, I actually miss volunteering with the Humane Society and I hope to again in the future because like you said, uh, I uh, I love being around dogs and I, I've in my whole life, all my cats and dogs have come mm -hmm. from a Humane Society. I guess it's, what is it called? Uh, uh, adopt, don't shop. Yeah, exactly. So, definitely. <laughs> Enough of the pet shops or breeders or whatever. Definitely. We have a lot of shelters. We definitely need more or need to help the ones we already have more because <laughs> a lot of them are struggling. It'd be great okay. to see them help more. Are you okay for a few more questions? Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, this one I wanted to ask you. How did you end up coming about the news producer role with uh, CBS 6 WRGB in the Albany, New York market? How did that end um. up? So when I graduated, I started looking around for jobs. And honestly, I mean, COVID was still kind of a thing. Um, and I wasn't hearing back from a lot of jobs. And I actually took a, we have a race track, like a, the Saratoga Springs race course over here. So I, I actually took a summer job because I was like, that way it gives me a job for a couple months. I don't have to worry about getting one right now and that way if I do get one it's not like I have to quit something I can just tell them that I'll be free in a month or whatever um so it was like two and a half months so I got that job I was a, an event coordinator and like I worked with sponsorship so I had some things to do with tv and news there and that honestly um triggered my mind more to news as well because I was helping working with our PR and things. So we would have the news stations come. There'd be a camera guy, sometimes a reporter that would come and we'd tell them what we kind of wanted to showcase um, on the news and where they should go. Um, 
and things like that. And then we would obviously talk to our sponsorship and always worry about it, that they were getting their things seg like segmented and things like that. So that made me think of news as well. And I was applying to a bunch of places. And it's funny because I actually applied to all the news stations in this area. So CBS, ABC, and Spectrum at the time. And I heard back from CBS for a while and how it kind of works is um, you do an interview. If they like you, then they'll ask you to do a writing assessment and kind of all news stations really do this. So you'll have a writing assessment because obviously they don't want to hire you and just take your word that you can write and then have you on TV talking to thousands of people and have it not sound good. So they have you do a writing assessment, and then usually um, they'll do a second interview after that. So I had done a writing assessment for them, um, and I hadn't heard back from them for a little bit. And I guess um, she was super busy at that time because she had just became news producer. Pernay had just became news um, director, I mean. And she was very understaffed, so she was hiring a bunch of people. Um, so I guess that they, she stopped talking to me because she was hiring um, Julia, one of our photogs, and she at that same time, and then another news producer, um, Alexis, at the same time. So she was juggling a bunch of things. So I just figured that they had forgotten me and I hadn't gotten the job. So I was still talking to other jobs, obviously. Um, so I did a writing assessment for ABC and for Spectrum. And that's when I heard from CBS and they were like, you got a job. Like I saw that you were applying to other jobs and it made me nervous. Like, I just want to know that we really want you. Like, here's the job. So I heard from them um, right off the bat and I was like, okay, awesome. Um, and it was just right around, it was like two and a half, three weeks before, before um, track season was over so I wouldn't have been out of a job so I was like that's perfect timing to get a job because I was starting to get nervous because I wasn't hearing back from anyone because at that time everyone was taking so long to get back to you um so I took the job and it was literally like my first week there and that's when I heard back from ABC and Spectrum too and they offered me jobs but I was like I already took one. So I, that's how I got started. And I worked at CBS and I've been applying to different jobs recently. And it seems like this time around, everyone's super quick. It seems like things are all back up and running now and everyone wants to hire that everything's super quick. This process, um, this time around a year later is like 10 times as quicker than it was the year before. So I started applying now thinking, oh, I won't hear back from stuff until like June, July, maybe. Um, and I was like, I want to move out of New York by the time it's fall. So I'll start applying now. So I was applying to all these places out of New York um, and it started moving so quickly. And I was like, holy crap, I'm not ready to move yet. So I was denying all these job offers I was getting. And then I finally saw that Spectrum was hiring again. I reached out to them and I was like, hey, you offered me a job um, back in the summertime wondering if you're still hiring. So I will be in New York for another year probably working for Spectrum. And then my hope is to either go to Florida to go to the Tampa area or to go to North Carolina or um, 
maybe even Virginia. But if I go to Virginia, I want to go to Richmond or Virginia Beach. I want to those two places. North Carolina, I'm more open. Um, and my parents are actually talking about moving in a year's time. So if they move, I might see where they go and move close to them, depending on where they end up. And they keep talking about the Carolinas or Texas. So, Okay. And I uh, just got a couple quick more questions for you. Um, this one I wanted to ask you, Elizabeth. What do you enjoy the most about being a news producer? And what can be the hardest aspect of the role? Okay. So I think, honestly, one of my favorite and the hardest kind of fall line in line sometimes. So my favorite is definitely the fact that I go in every day and it's not the same job. I feel like I did jobs before this and I was always like dreading going in. Um, it was super boring. I was looking at the clock, wondering when the time was going to do up. I was doing the same exact thing. Um, where this job, sure, I'm writing stories every day. I'm picking out video, making graphics, doing the show live. But it's still different. It's new stories every day. So it's interesting. I get to hear everything around me. And then the fact that it's live always keeps us on our toes. So everything's timed. So news happens last second. So I think one of my favorite things about news is that I'm never bored, never looking at my clock. I'm always going through my shift and I'm like, wow, there's only an hour left. Holy crap. Um, because I feel like I like what I do and it's there's never slow paced. I'm always finding things out, thinking they're cool, figuring out how to put it in my show. When we go live, I'm boothing my show live, timing it, um, making sure everything's perfect. So I got to stay really focused then that I'm never, there's no point where I'm like really bored or doing nothing, just hoping time passes by slower. And I've never had that with any other job. So I love that. But then one of that becomes hard because we're live. Um, and there are technical difficulties a lot in news. Um, so being live and having reporters, mics not working or them not getting to the location in time, having like video not like getting downloaded in time and edited in time, but we like slotted out a minute for that package and now we're not going to have it and we need to fill up that minute with something else. So while we're live, we're trying to pull a minute of content out of our asses. <laughs> like, I think that's the hardest, but it's also one of the interestings, but that's definitely the hardest because you never know what's going to happen when you get in that booth. You can have a whole rundown for your show and it can look totally different because of so many things out of our control. I remember there was this one time where we had like a hack happen right before Thanksgiving. And it was literally like, I was the first show to produce. So I did that morning show and the noon show. And I, we came in and right before that mo morning show started, we all the issues happened and we couldn't go on air. So we just sat there for the morning show, hoping we could figure something out. By the time the noon was to go on air things had been fixed we didn't have asked like access to any of our graphics or 
and it was taking like three times as long to download things and we didn't have access to our programming where we could write out all our scripts so our anchors had to read the scripts off of like paper um instead of like a prompter so we went into it already knowing there's a bunch of problems but it's a 30 minute show with three commercials each commercial is like three minutes long so we come into the show being like okay we don't have graphics it's not gonna look super fancy to the professional level that news normally looks like but we're like at least we can get a clean show out on air something instead of just blackness like the morning show was and we went in and I remember it was time for the first commercial and I was like cut to commercial and the director went to cut to commercial and there was no commercial so we then had to that was the biggest I had to pull like 10 minutes of content out of nowheres for that show and that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in news Wow. And I was going to say, even just being a camera operator for Rogers TV, which is outside of Toronto, um, doing the hockey games and stuff like that, I have so much respect for producers because they have to multitask and they have to be able to handle stress. And there's things that happen, even in a hockey broadcast, that can happen anywhere in TV. And you have to be able to uh, improvise and go on the fly sometimes. And you got to think fast. Yeah, there's so much multitasking when we're in the control room that, like, I had no clue about before I started this job. But you're literally sitting there timing the show while paying attention to make sure that, like, our, um, like, anchors are or our reporters are live and up on air if we're cutting to them that you can see them. And we need to, like... Make sure that our anchors know the location. So we need to be talking to them. We're not. We need to be giving cues to our meteorologist. Um, and we need to, like, half the time our, like, EPs are calling us on the phone. So we're talking on the phone to an EP and to a reporter and to an anchor all while timing the show on the computer and letting the anchors and meteorologists know that time and it's a lot of multitasking and then telling the director when to cut to commercial break and then if anything goes wrong um it's your show that's one thing they always say is you're the producer it's your show if there's a problem it's your fault and it's your responsibility to fix it so some technical issues that happen out of nowhere is everyone looks to you to do it. So you need to be able to be a very quick thinker and fast on your toes because you're live on air. You can't sit there with a blank screen for a minute. If your reporter's mic doesn't work, you need a quick go back to camera, go to this story. Uh, like, okay, quick, tell the editor to download this package. Director, I'm going to slide this package in here. Does that work? Like, it's a lot of teamwork communication and multitasking quickly <laughs> okay and i just got you got time for two more questions oh i okay uh quick one favorite news story you've covered so far in your career hmm. favorite news story i've covered honestly we've covered a bunch that have been shocking my favorite that just like sticks with me that was like super fun because i've also gone to this in person is we had this like giant 
this is probably stupid for favorite news story I've covered because this isn't like a big news story whatsoever. But there was this giant like ice castle that was being made in Lake George um, that you could go and walk through and be a part of. And it was like huge, like an actual castle um, made of ice. And it was so pretty and we had a story on it and... I went there and it's like a 45 minute, like an hour drive from me. And I went there cause I saw that story and thought it was so interesting. And I wanted to see it in person. And I just think that's my favorite story. Cause it was super fun and super cool. Um, that's honestly kind of stupid to say, but I honestly thought it was super cool. And I like covering fun stories instead of super hard ones, I guess. Okay. And my last question I wanted to ask you, um, do you have any hobbies, favorite music, favorite restaurants, places to travel, and where can my audience find you on social media? And do you have any advice for those looking to get into broadcasting, media, radio, TV, such as myself and others who are going to watch this podcast or listen to it later? Okay. Um, So I'd say... I guess hobbies um, outside of media is like fitness. Obviously, I love everything media. I do news, and then on my free time, I still dabble with computer art and with audio stuff. Um, But I also, I love fitness. That's a huge part of my my outside life. I'm going to the gym all the time. I'm studying um, to hopefully do that as my second job in a couple months. So that's honestly my biggest hobby outside of my career. I also love music. That's another huge hobby of mine. I love anything music, going to concerts, festivals, listening to music, watching um, musicians talk on like YouTube and things like that and do interviews um, and just reading up on them. I love all that stuff. Um, So then I guess my favorite music to listen to is rap more. Um, I lean towards rap and R&B, but I definitely listen to some like alternative pop and alternative rock as well. But I think on a day-to-day, it's more rap and R&B. And then restaurant, hmm, I don't know. My... I don't know restaurant wise. I'm not a big food person because of my food allergy. So I don't know about that. I am a huge traveler. I want to travel so much in my life. Um, I feel like one of my favorite places just because it's sentimental to me um, is Maine. We would go to different places in Maine every summer when I was growing up. So going to Maine is something I love doing. And I love the beach. I love going anything where there's beach and there's a lot of shops or like cool things to do. I love, um, I love that. And then you can find me on social media. I feel like all my social media is Elizabeth D. Dell. Um, That's D-E-D-E-L-L. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, I'll be making more um social media too like a fitness instagram and web page and hopefully a podcast as well myself soon so that i would share on my social media that already 
exist if you reach out to me there. Um, and then any advice for people entering this business or this industry, I would say just jump into it and just be open to learn. I think that's the biggest thing is that when I was younger, I was so much like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone's videos look so clean. Everyone looks so comfortable. Like I can't sit there and talk to a camera. I can't, I don't know how to work a camera. I don't know. And it was just all me being nervous and things like that. That I think the biggest thing is just jumping into it and doing it. If it doesn't matter if you feel stupid, it doesn't matter if you're fucking up and your video doesn't look good because it's going to look better the next time you do it. I think that was the hardest thing for me starting. Um, so I think that's what I would tell people starting now is to just jump into it. And then I think the biggest thing that I've done is be open to learning is to ask so many questions. Um, you need to do that. I feel like in this industry, it's always changing. It's always growing. And I feel like there's a lot of ways to do things. And it's not that there's a right way and a wrong way. There's just a lot of ways that can be cool that you can learn and you'll like more ways than others. But I think you need to be open to learn a bunch of different things. Um, I think that's the main thing. Was there another question that I missed? No, that's pretty well it. And, and and one thing I've learned too, never say no to an opportunity. If somebody gives you an opportunity to take up on it and see if you like it or that's something you want to do. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then just getting to know people as well. I feel like that has helped me so much in this industry is just meeting people, um, just attending things and introducing yourself. And again, being open to learning from them, asking questions if they're like a big person in the industry or if they're doing something like this. I feel like the biggest thing that I've learned since graduating and since my senior year, even when I got more involved um, with the radio station and with my LinkedIn and growing it and looking for jobs was just talking to people um, and asking them. I had so many friends at SUNY Oneana because it's the only state college in New York that has like a media industry and a music industry degree. So, so many of my friends were in this industry starting up or were bigger than me, had learned more than me, had already grown. And I had just never talked to them about their career and about their passions until for so long, until I started asking questions. And I had learned so much, even from people that were like at my same level, um, at my peers, my friends, I had still learned so much. I had been friends with them for so long and never asked so many questions. And now they're like audio engineers working with um, rappers or they're sitting there being like computer art, um, like graphic designers for films themselves. My friend, like I told you, he's a line producer for film right now. Um, that I feel like even my peers just asking them questions instead of just having fun. <laughs> and I was going to, I'm going to wrap this up, but uh, um, you, like you mentioned, contacts are huge. I've made a lot of contacts from doing this podcasting and my volunteer work. And I've also made a lot of friendships as well. And, and, and just getting my name out there, I find more and more people are noticing my work as well. And, and, and I, I again, I want to say Elizabeth, 
thank you so much for coming on live with CDP podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you and uh, open invite to come back on again in the future. And maybe uh, this time to talk a little more nutrition and fitness as well, because uh, I definitely need to lose about 25 pounds. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And it was nice um, to meet you. It was nice to meet you too. And we'll definitely keep in touch on uh, social yeah. media, LinkedIn and that. And uh, I hope you have a great night. Try to get some sleep when you can and uh, spoil sure. your and spoil, give your dog and cat a treat for me. <laughs> for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast with Elizabeth Dedal. She's a news producer for CBS 6 WRGB in Albany, New York. You can also follow her on LinkedIn under Elizabeth Dedal or on Twitter at Liz Dedal as well. And same on Instagram as well. Uh, before I wrap up my podcast, guys, uh, just bear with me. And I'm just going to let you know my next podcast. Uh, my next live with CDP podcast, season three, episode 34, Thursday, May 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern. My guest is Daniel Jaworski. She's a host of the C-Suite and in studio for Rogers TV 20 in the Guelph Kitchener uh, area as well. And she's also um, um, a lifestyle mindset uh, coach as well. So we're going to talk about her uh, um, her her volunteer work with Rogers TV and uh, also um, with, uh, she's a mindset coach, visibility consultant for women 40 plus. And she's, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Danielle. And uh, that's the one thing about this podcast. I've made a lot of contacts and a lot of friendships. And I'm really looking forward to, to speaking to Danielle about her career change and uh, her um, role as a mindset coach, visibility consultant, and uh, the C-suite and the in-studio uh, with Rogers TV. So I hope you guys can tune in to Season 3, Episode 34, this Thursday at 4 o'clock. And also, like I normally do, guys, Live with CDP Podcast, the audio version is downloaded after onto Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn as well. And also, guys, you can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok. I post a lot of video content and my podcast stuff and my interviews I've been doing lately with the, the National Lacrosse League as well. So, and uh, before I wrap it up, guys, just wanted to let you know we've got a couple OHL games tonight. We got London at Kitchener at seven o'clock on Rogers TV 20. Uh, London leads that series three to two, so the Knights can finish it off tonight. Uh, or Kitchener wins tonight, they can force the seventh game back in London. And the other games tonight, you got Flint at Owen Sound at seven o'clock. Flint is up three two, so Flint and London with wins tonight could advance. And as for the Gulf Storm, their season's over. They lost six nothing to the Greyhounds on Saturday. So uh, Sault Ste. Marie and Windsor are already in the second round of the playoffs. And in the Eastern Conference, you got Hamilton that swept Peterborough in four. North Bay swept Ottawa in four. Kingston eliminated Oshawa in six games. And Mississauga eliminated Barry in six games. So we're just waiting for the flu the Flint Owen Sound series and London Kitchener uh, series to resume. But as for the Storm, uh, they they had the youngest team in the OHL this year, and they um, they got into the playoffs. 
and um, they played against a very good Sioux Greyhound team. But next year is going to look really good for the Storm, and I, I feel the Storm should be a top three team in the uh, Western Conference, and hopefully they'll go further in the playoffs next year. But it was a, a exciting season, and I'm going to miss doing camera work with Rogers TVs for the Storm games. I'll have to wait until the end of August or September when preseason starts as well. So, um, anyways, again, I want to say thank you to my guest, Elizabeth Dedell, for coming on. And I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. And I want to say thank you to everyone watching this live on my YouTube channel. I'm up to 91 subscribers now. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please hit the subscribe notification. And also thank you to everyone watching this live on Facebook Live and on Twitter at Chris D. Pome. So hope you guys can tune in Thursday at 4 with Danielle Jaworski, uh, guest from Rogers TV at 4 o'clock Eastern. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Danielle as well. So anyways, guys, I'm going to call it a podcast. I hope everybody has a great night. Enjoy the NHL playoffs. Enjoy the OHL playoffs. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. And I'm looking forward to the National Lacrosse League's chase for the championship 2022 starting this week. Again, the Rock take on Halifax, 730 at the Ontario Center. And then the Bandits take on Albany at 7.30 at the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. And I mentioned the other games as well. So, all right, guys, uh, have a great night. And we'll see you guys Thursday at 4 for Season 3, Episode 34 of Live with CDP Podcast. Good night, everybody.